This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Rob Ryan Red. A Wrexham FC podcast by Nathan Salt and Rich Faye, bringing you all the latest views, news and interviews from around the race course. Now, if you're new around here, make sure to subscribe. But enough of that. Let's get on with the show. Kreuzer, hello. Thank you for joining us for the latest episode of Rob Ryan Red, the Wrexham podcast brought to you in association with Red 10 People Development. Not even a North Wales snowstorm could do enough to cool down a red hot title race. Wrexham had snow worries as they beat Southend at the weekend, and County avoided any scares of their own from the beast of the East Lee. Nine matches left, one point in it, and on today's show we'll take a look at the top of the table ahead of this weekend's trip to face Bromley. Now the Wrexham match at the weekend did survive the snowy conditions. I didn't. As you can probably tell, I've got a bit of a cold. There'll probably be a few sniffles on today's podcast, but we're soldiering on. I'm Rich Faye, and I'm in dog- I am joined, as always, by Nathan Salt. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm... They're fine, mate. I feel feel for you because you, you're all sniffly and full of cold, but credit to you. In fact, credit to you, but credit to everyone who got that game on. You know, I think they were shoveling snow from six in the morning. You saw Geraint there, who has done every job under the sun. You saw Parky there. Um, loads of different people were there, were there shoveling snow, and I'm sure we'll get to see that in the documentary. And uh, remarkable, because I thought that game had... Uh, we were texting, weren't we, in the, in the week, and we thought that game has no chance of going ahead. It did, and you're paying the price for it now, mate. Yeah, I mean, friend of the podcast as well, Sean Harvey, Fleur Robinson as well, who we've had on the podcast with Shovel and Snow, as were the volunteers. Yeah. Yeah, like you said, a, a huge credit. But again, that was sort of testament to the Wrexham spirit that they managed to get that game on. And I think it was imperative that we did, particularly given events that have happened elsewhere in the league, because Wrexham had this peculiar situation where win, and we'd go seven points clear as we did, Whereas if we hadn't have played, we could actually have been second place now and points behind Notts County who won both of their matches uh, as well that they've played. Of course, they've now played a game more than Wrexham. So the title race is once again quite tricky to sort of fully weigh up and it's added another spire to the works because they've got that rearranged game now with Altrincham towards the back end of the season, Altion, uh, in the FA Trophy semi-finals. So it's going to be complicated. It's going to be, I think, similar to last season, Nath, where we're not going to know who's won the league like for sure, confirmation till the penultimate game, the very last day of the season probably, just because even if a team has a cushion, I think there's always going to be that chance, that slimmer, that sliver really for, for the second place to to get there. And less than a month now, Nathan, until that Easter Monday meeting, I am petrified. I am a little bit scared. But also, you know, it's it's a game at home. We're unbeaten at home. We look very good at home. I think we've. I think they said on, um, on Twitter. I think somebody said on Twitter that we've taken nine more points than Notts County at home. So, look, it should be as daunting for them as it is for us. But I'm sure that BT. We had Adam Summerton on recently. He was great, wasn't he? But um, you know, I'm sure people at BT like Adam are 
crossing their fingers and toes that it's as close as it is right now um, by the time it gets to that Easter Monday game. So still a couple of games in between now and then, Rich. A few games between now and then that we've got to got to focus on. But but South End, not as glamorous as, as it was at Dagenham when I was there. It was interesting, wasn't it? There was always going to be maybe a degree of a come down from that match. Wrexham, of course, unchanged from the side that beat Dagenham. I don't think that was a surprise. Surprise that Luke Young wasn't involved maybe on the bench or, or whatever, but you can see why Parky stuck with the with the side that he did. It was laboured, it was tiresome, it was horrendous conditions, it was just not conducive to a good game of football whatsoever. And again, rather than being too pessimistic, I think you've just got to say that to win that match, when we've basically not had a chance in the entire game, is absolutely unreal. And that is, again, the sort of archetypal sign of, dare I say it, champions. There's still a long way to go. But just to, to get over the line like that, Parky said he wanted his teams to be able to win ugly. We've got a clean sheet. We've managed to do enough. There was always the pessimist inside of me. Anyone who listens to the podcast is there that Southend could go up the other end and score. And of course, when you see Callum Powell limbering up to come on, you think, oh God, here we go again. It was the same when I saw Jerry McDonough in action for Scunthorpe against us, though. I just always fear these former Wrexham players will come back to haunt us. But neither side really created any chances. Wrexham although we weren't that good going forward, you never really felt we were going to concede. We always looked pretty comfortable at the back and seemed in control of the game. And there's always going to be an element of of that. It was tense. It was tetchy. Atmosphere was, again, I think the the conditions on, on Saturday weren't conducive to a good atmosphere. And I just think, as I've said almost every week, that the stakes are so high and it is so tense that the atmosphere suffers. I see every week on social media debates about was the atmosphere better before the takeover. It probably was because you you do have that hardcore sort of spine of Wrexham fans right. and they're through thick and thin. But that's but the trade off there is that the football's much better now and the rewards are much higher. So I don't think we can be too in sort of negative on the atmosphere because everyone there wants Wrexham to win and they all have the same intentions in their hearts, no matter how long they've been following the club. It's just that it is so tense at the moment and it is so nervy. Everyone's on edge and hopefully it ends in a celebration. But, you know, one more down, nine to go for us and I don't care how the wins come. No, I was just going to call out, um, well, not call out, that sounds negative. I was just going to um, pick out Jordan Tonicliffe because I think he is an absolute warrior, Rich. You know, he went down in front of you, in front of the tech end. And he, he's hard as nails. You know, I saw Mark Crichton and, and people likening him to Manny Smith and all these different players. He is, I mean, he's been transformative to our season. You know, if you want to talk about Tom O'Connor or you want to talk about the wing-back changes, you know, now we've got Barnett on the right, Ford is obviously still there, but you've got Barnett who's come in the last couple of games, Mendy's done really well now, there's been that chopping and changing, McFadzian. You can talk about Andy Cannon. I know Parkinson picked out Andy Cannon this week, praising him about, you know, he's taken things up a level in midfield. Um, but Tony Cliff, I just think... I, I saw a lot of people saying that he would be in the mix for player of the season for the, if the result was, you know, voted for today and they, they had a top three. I think he's just been immense. And the fact that there was all the kind of tomfoolery around Leighton going down and, and trying to buy more time and yeah Tonicliffe I just think is absolutely hard as nails and dare I say if it goes to a, a playoffs and it is bodies on the line you know for sure that Tonicliffe will put every um, every inch of his head and every limb on his body on the line to drag us over the line Am I right in thinking we've never lost a game at Tonicliffe? I saw this I saw this I I didn't check it out, which is poor podcasting management, but I want to say that's true. I mean, what are the games we've lost? Not County away, Chesterfield away. He didn't play Chesterfield away because that was when he was kind of still in his Sean Brisley era where we weren't actually sure if Jordan Tunnicliffe existed. He didn't play at Sheffield United away because he was obviously injured. Did yes. Alty away in the trophy, which is a penalty and, defeat. And Notts County, I'm going to say, was still too early before he was fully integrated in. Yeah, I, that's why I seem to recall. So, yeah, he's just been so, so good this season. I agree with you there. I mean, my dilemma, really, if I was picking my player this season is everyone says there's a three-man shortlist. I think I've got a four-man shortlist right now of players that 
that stand out for me. Well, Rich, you were right before you get before you go into you you are you were right. It just pains me to say, but you were right a few episodes ago when you said it, it's Paul Mullen. I mean, Paul Mullen is the player of the season, um, is a contender again for National League player of the season. Um, I'm sure that'll go to Langstaff if he breaks the league record, the league scoring record. But you know, the answer is Mullen. But there are so many good candidates if you want to broaden it out outside of that. Um, and exactly. I don't know. I'm interested to hear your like... four. Yeah, okay. Well, I was going to say that it's almost like Man City, isn't it? Where they've got a star-stone squad, but it's Erling Haaland because he gets all the roles. And, and for right. Paul Mullen is just the main man. You take him out of the team, there's such a, a drop-off in quality there. So for me, my short list of, of four players of the season would be Paul Mullen, yeah. Luke Young still, because I think he's been excellent for the majority of the campaign, yeah. Connor Cliff, and I'd say Ben Tozer. I think he does such an unsung hero role at the back, still so lethal from his from his long throws. And he always has the unenviable job of of having to sort of piece together that defence because we always say, oh, this centre-back's been missing or maybe a makeshift back line, but new wing-backs almost every week, it seems. And you've got the inconsistency of the, the keeper as well at times behind him. Tozer's just the ever-present and he keeps everything calm, everything ticking. And I think he deserves a lot more credit than, than he gets, really. Right, I mean, look, for, for my birthday, I got a Tozer towel um, so I don't know if anyone else has got one of them from the club shop, but I do now own. Uh, I'm now the proud owner of a Toza towel. So if we end up, if we end up on on that preseason tour of the US, maybe I need to take that to uh, wherever we end up in, in in the states. But yeah, I think you're right, Rich. I think he's kind of the defender that is is less talked about. I don't know whether that's just because he plays all the time and his obviously defining attribute to to people outside of Wrexham is his long throw. We talk a lot about Tunnicliffe now. Well, you know, for me, goals of, he doesn't have the goals no. of Hayden, and he maybe doesn't have that heroic defensive approach right. that Tunnicliffe has of bottom right. line. He just keeps and everything I, calm. I was, I was going to say that for me, in my shortlist, I would have had Hayden in there. You know, I, I don't know what the cutoff point is in terms of games played and and where people draw their own line on injuries and time out the side. But you, you know, we cannot. I'd be loath to forget the fact that Aaron Hayden scored what is it, eleven goals. Um, you know, had he not been injured, what would that be? Fifteen, probably, if you're being conservative. Um, I, I really think he's he's delivered a, an obscene amount of goals from from the centre back position, and um, you know, it, it says a lot that we look so um, light and attacking on attacking set pieces without him in there. You know, I know Palmer's a, a tall lad, and you know, Tonicliffe's a big lad, and I know Tonicliffe scored away at Solly Hall and X Y Z. But really, Hayden and Hayden and Tozer just have that telepathy that you need on on routines, whether that's corners or throw-ins or free kicks or whatever the case may be. And no one else quite has that, and that's understandable because Tozer and Hayden have played together, you know, for two seasons now, and um, they, they've had a long time to build up that rapport, but. I, I think Hayden for me would be enough. If Hayden had have stayed fit, and I'm dealing in hypotheticals here, but had he stayed fit, I think he would have been my probably second player of the season behind Mullin because I just thought, you know, he was a divisional best centre back. If I was picking a team of the year, he would have been in my centre backs. Whether now with injuries that affects that, I don't know. But he still for me, I think he's had an absolutely phenomenal campaign. <laughs> I guess while we're on the subject matter then, Nath, the good news is Hayden and Tom O'Connor should be back in contention soon. Get in there. Neither of them being risked for Bromley this weekend. Phil Parkinson said that he doesn't want to rush them back onto the 4G pitch. He wants to have sort of ease back in. And that is the right uh, response to have because sometimes when a player comes back from injury, you can throw him straight back in at the the deep end and actually make things worse. So I think it's really sensible man management for Parky again. Rich, you know, on on, on the, you've seen it. We've both been to these games, 4G, I've been to Sutton, it went to Sutton before they ripped their pitch up and Bromley and who else got a Maidstone got a plastic plate, plastic, plastic plate, plastic pitch. used to, yeah. Um, And what I'm saying is I've seen it so many times and you just see Dorkin, right? It was awful when we saw, you know, we had a bunch of Amazon recently we were asking about Alfie, Alfie Rutherford. I can't speak at Alfie Rutherford and um, he basically just planted his leg and it it didn't <laughs> it didn't turn unfortunately with him and uh, you know an awful injury so 
the the worst piece of man management would be chucking a new you know newly recovered player out on a 4G. So very very smart from an operator like Parkinson for sure to to not rush him back in. And that's been as we said something that we've seen throughout his his tenure really that even with new signings or players returned from injury, you can't just throw them back in. And it's been evident with Jordan Davis as well, hasn't it? Where lots of fans have said put him straight back into the lineup. I mean, there is a credible alternative now in Elliot Lee that we just didn't really have last season and you've got Andy Cannon as well who looks he looks really good and adds a whole different dimension and, and layer of control to, to our games but I think you've just got to give Parkey a lot of credit and again like we said so the news on that is Hayden O'Connor should hopefully be back for, for York at home which is you know so soon now we'll have to wait and see just how that how that develops again they won't be rushed but we have to just say Nath that ultimately Big big shout out to Phil Parkey who had a landmark of his own at the weekend. Yeah, what is it now? Hundreds wins uh, in charge of Wrexham, sixty five no hundred games, sixty five wins. Right, so sixty five percent win percentage, which is just immense, isn't it? You know, it's um, it, it's a strange one because he he. I always remember I've said this before. I always remember when I put to him in his press conference about, you know, did he have any worries about coming to the National League, clearly got an accomplished CV, you know, has done well higher up, doesn't need to probably drop to the fifth division to take a job. Um, and he kind of scoffed at the question that, you know, he had no doubt in his mind and then everything. I'd be interested to know now what he thinks of the National League, sort of two seasons on, because it's proven, you know, this title race is even more fierce than last season, and last season went to the final day, albeit it wasn't in our hands then, but... You know, he's come across Stockport and we finished right up there and, and end up losing that to Grimsby. And now we're, you know, who knows how that would be. Flip a coin on how this Wrexham Knotts battle will go and then the playoffs is, you know, a complete lottery. Chesterfield are reloading. Barnet played out a 7-5 against us. Still got to play them again. Woking almost did a job on us at the race course. So you, you just never know. But it's um, it's been remarkable, really, especially what's happened at home in the, at the race course. He, he's turned that place into... We talk about Fortress Kairas and... You'd have to say there there aren't many grounds in the country where teams are are struggling more than than visiting the race course. So, yeah, hats off to him. Hundred games and uh, hopefully soon up to that hundred wins. It, I mean, it's just remarkable, isn't it? And when you go back to those those early days of Parkinson, we did that podcast, which you know it might be worth going back to listen to now if you want to through the Rob Brian Red archives. And again, a shout out to our social medias, Rob Brian Red on just about everything. We spoke to fans of of opposition clubs and teams where he'd previously managed and they said that you know Parky's football is maybe ugly at times but it's effective certainly effective for this for this le- level and having someone like Ollie Palmer and now Sam Dolby were integral to it and those were sort of missing pieces of the jigsaw initially and fair play I mean there's always got to be a desire for Wrexham to play better football to be a bit more attractive but the ends justify the means at the moment it's all about total sequentialism we just need to get out of the league and it's a percentage game for Wrexham the best way of doing it at this level when we've seen at the race course the pitches aren't in perfect pristine condition they're not carpets like at the top level sometimes you've got to lump it long sometimes you just got to hook up by crook get it over the line it's going to be gritty it's not going to be pretty but as long as you win that's all that matters and I think that south end game in a way was the perfect sort of summary of parky ball because in years gone by, under previous management, we just do not win that game. But under Phil Parkinson, we, we managed to do so. And I also think, Nath, that the players and, again, the management, the coaches, deserve huge credit that it was exactly a week earlier that we'd thrown the game away, the, the win away against Maidenhead with poor game management oh, against Southend. We controlled it really well. There was a spell in added time where we kept the ball in the Southend corner for about two minutes. And we just ran the clock down a lot better. And that's got to be what gets us over the line this season. It's about being streetwise. It's about having that dirty side of the game nailed down. And we're a horrible team to play against. And it's so refreshing to see. I, I was kind of thinking about this last night watching that Notts County game. And I was thinking, if you want my opinion, I think they they knock it around more with a more aesthetically pleasing style than we do. Um but at the end of the day, I don't care. No one will care if Wrexham go up. And at the end of the day, Knotts won't take that. Knotts fans won't take that as a, 
kind of little trophy if they miss out. Do you know what I mean? Like you said, I, you I totally agree with that. You don't, you no, don't get a trophy for winning for playing well. You get a trophy for but, winning matches. But, but if they go up playing this, you know, more fluid style, then then power to them. But it, it, for me, it won't be, it won't be the kind of style that lets us down. It's just decision making in big moments, and I I really don't think. You know, I don't think a manager or a coach can do much about it. At the end of the day, it's on it's on the players now. Nine more to go. We've only got one midweek game, as as far as things stand. You know, was it one game left on a plastic pitch? It pretty much it's all there for you. It's it's a run to the finish now, and ultimately these two sides are going to have to go head to head. So I say, well, you know, what I say, Rich, bring it on. Interesting bit of news this week when it emerged that Wrexham had made an offer earlier in the season to bring Ben Foster out of retirement to have his last moment in the sun playing for Wrexham, a team where he was on loan, won the LDB Vans Trophy against Southend, ironically, back in 2005. Didn't happen though, but that would have been interesting, wouldn't it? The cycling GK at the race course? Well, you'd think in terms of content, I mean... Provided he wasn't, he wouldn't have say he wouldn't have been gagged by the documentary. He could still do his behind the scenes stuff because I know at Watford, that was a big issue in terms of the content he was producing and and all that sort of stuff. But you'd imagine at Wrexham that would have you know would have been embraced and and finishing his career basically back where it started. You know where he was on loan with us and yeah, I think that would have been huge. That that would have been a hugely popular crossover. And I mean, in terms of personalities in the dressing room, clearly from listening to his podcast. He's he's very very funny, very jovial, and uh, yeah, I, I was trying to think who would that have been for though. Do you think that would have been like in place of Howard, in place of Watson, called the Bank Park? I couldn't really work out when the offer came in and what the kind of role he was being offered. I mean, that was obviously ambiguous based on the quotes, but well, yeah, the exact quote from Ben Foster was Wrexham were one of the clubs I got an offer from earlier in the season. I had a few offers. Wrexham would have been cool. I, yeah, I agree with that. Like, to me, it stinks of he would have come in as sort of third choice if, if something, but how do you have third choice if you've already got Howard and Leighton? It doesn't really make right, sense. Right. It would have been fascinating because obviously the whole dynamic would have changed. I mean, Leighton would have been third choice goalkeeper and maybe even got rid of in January or so because he wouldn't really have had a role to play if Foster was there. And now you've got Leighton who signed a new deal and could extend it further for, for next season. It's yeah, a really odd one, but... We've always spoken, haven't we, um, since the takeover happened, it would, would Wrexham go down the route of trying to make sort of statement signings? And it's certainly something that might be more of a possibility if and when we get promoted to the League Two because we'll be able to assign overseas players and you know, potentially sign some Canadian internationals, some US hopefuls or, or young players or more well-known players stateside. But Ben Foster certainly would have been a player who not only would have had something to offer on the pitch, but would certainly have, have raised the profile of the club as well. And, you know, as we've said, that's not necessarily been what Wrexham have always tried to do. We've tried to sign players proven at this level who are, you know, going to give us the best chance of going up. But there's always been that thought in the back of my mind. Would Wrexham try and make one of those sort of statement signings? You think about when Robinho went to Man City or something. Right. You know, just make a, a big splash in the ocean and say, wow, we've got money, we've got intent. The thing is, I was thinking, just as you were saying that, how are you defining a statement signing? Because I mean, look at it before. Right, so I'm thinking right. Mullin, we broke our transfer to get Ollie Palmer. We managed to get Cheltenham's captain. He'd just been promoted out of. You got Andy Cannon out of the Championship. Out O'Connor. of Col- O'Connor's come down to de- like really in. I suppose on you know in the, the UK context, I think that yeah right they are they are statement signings. Um, well, I, are I you talking in terms of like? Well, do you remember uh, that Daniel Sturridge was linked to us? Right, right. Jack Wilshire, Jack Wilshire. Do you know what I mean they're the type of players I've? I, I mean, I'm glad we that one even that one even that one even got put to um, put to Phil Parkinson because that one was gathering the Jack Wilshire one was gathering such momentum. And then he went to that, Denmark um, or somewhere, didn't he? To old, I think our house or something like that. Our our house yeah. in the middle our of the street. House, yeah. uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I, I, I do wonder what an American player. Like what an M- maybe MLS youngster or like? Could you imagine? I've seen it now because they they won the other night, and I know people who cover that team. But Brentford B getting uh, Romeo Beckham, 
Like, do you imagine getting someone out of an MLS team, like MLS Academy, or I don't know what that would do. Sort of feed the system where we had a partnership with like Philadelphia Union or Miami, and they send over some of the under twenty ones and twenty threes. I mean, I know we've always said as well, hypocritically, that we don't really want sort of high profile team youngsters. We want players who are ready to come and do a job in the national league. But I think going forward, there's probably going to be more remit for it if we were to get promoted to to the football league and explore that. And as you said, I'm delighted that we have got. Phil Parkinson and the recruitment team in who didn't go down the route of Sturridge and Wilshire and rather went down the route of let's get players who, if you follow lower league football, are massive coups for this level. Well, Rich, I would have I would have suggested Will Ferrell's LAFC, but they, do you see that this week? They teamed up with Bayern Munich as, I'm not so sure a feeder club, but I think it was some sort of crossover whereby some of the, maybe Bayern's younger players or, or vice versa, because I don't think the season's clashed too much football manager affiliate club which if you want to get Rex and promoted easily on football manager just try getting an affiliate with like City or Liverpool get promoted <laughs> and you just breeze up the league with loads what would be what would be like one of the coolest affiliates we could get though now like, where we could uh, maybe do pods for half the year and it'd be nice and sunny and glorious on a beach somewhere I'm trying to think of affiliates somewhere in the south of Spain that'd be quite nice yeah I wouldn't mind Barcelona I mean, Barcelona would be quite nice yeah, well, get Jacob Mendy, get Jacob Mendy to put in at La Masia. Yeah, imagine. Um, but no, I, I think longer term, though, you know, in all seriousness, I've, I've read a lot about, you know, kind of a multi-club system, and maybe this is something not to be looked at in National League, League Two, League One. But there are obvious benefits to um, working with international teams, and 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 I do think if you go up the leagues, it's definitely something to to consider. But I think right now we just need to worry about nine games away from hopefully. I don't know, but I'm thinking Ben Foster. There you go. But in terms of statement moves, yeah, I would love to see. I mean, I was chatting to a listener of the podcast, Jamal. I think people saw his um, his tweet actually, and I I I tweeted on Rob Ryan Red about from from Texas to the tech end. He was very cold with his cousin. Um, Both of them got were in the tech end watching the South End game. Came over from Texas. Uh, Jamal's originally from Houston, and I got to actually chat with him. Came down to London, and he was watching Fulham, and we met in a pub and had a chat about podcasts and about Wrexham. And he was saying that you know there, there's still so much growth really in in the club in terms of the US. You know, I've had one season of the documentary. Um, you know, promotion would obviously be huge in terms of the profile. Again, a second season of the documentary, but we were talking about you know what would happen if you landed a. A, a fairly recognisable American player or, or that sort of thing and it does feel like there's still a lot of room to grow and shout out to Jamal actually because he obviously has listened to the podcast for a long time heard I liked American sports heard I followed the Houston Rockets and gave me some nice uh, nice little goodies Rich so that was very nice of him so thank you very much you don't if you do ever see us you don't have to give us stuff um, but if you do that's very kind but yeah uh, in terms of growth Rich I think Season two of the dock, a promotion, and I think probably that next step after that is, other than that other series, is probably that marquee American player. Because Charlie Trafford, as much as I wanted him to be um, kind of uh, an absolute hidden gem, didn't turn out to be that way. We don't ask much, do we? Uh, <laughs> I suppose one way that growth could come, Nath, interesting news this week, the reports that Mint Mobile part owned by Ryan Reynolds, I think you've got a 25% stake in the company. Something like that, right? Yeah. Sold for, what is it, close to $1.5 billion, $1.3 billion or so. so. Um, absolutely insane money. Um, that certainly yes. is the Hollywood money, the movie star money that Rob McElhenney was on about, wasn't it? Um, that's even more than movie star money. That's just, that's tech money, isn't it? That's kind of tech bro money. Silicon that's, Valley. That's head on to robryanred.com and click on the donate button. <laughs> that's um, how much is this podcast worth if we wanted to sell it? That's the question. Let us know. Um, but it's a lot of money, Rich. It's, it's a hell of a lot of money. That is it. I suppose, you know, naturally, Wrexham fans on Twitter gave their sort of tongue-in-cheek responses that, you know, chips chips for a quid, surely can be financed now. We can pay for <laughs> more dodgy referees as well. I mean, they nearly got one on Tuesday night to work for us with that Eastley penalty, didn't we? Um, but I suppose for Wrexham's point of view, it is certainly, you know, good news from Wrexham because although the money won't directly probably go into the club and it might not affect the day-to-day running at all, it is at least nice to know that 
if we needed a little bit more money, then we have got an owner who's just had a very handsome uh, windfall. Yeah, and what I would say is there was a bit of a panic, wasn't there, that, that I think some people set in when he was talking about what they called the Canucks in Vancouver, the hockey team that he was looking at maybe being um, part of like an, a wider consortium on. Look, Ryan Reynolds is worth a hell of a lot of money um, and an eye-watering amount of money. And, it, and and this news can't be bad for Wrexham. But, you know, when we're looking at ways to fund the cop and, you know, rising through the leagues will require more money, there's various ways to do it. We've said it before, stadium naming rights. I think that will be a thing in the near future. I don't know for sure, but I would imagine it, given it's been floated in, in one of the um, fan advisory meetings, I'm almost convinced that that will definitely be done. That's obviously a way to do it. If there's seasons three and four of the documentary, that's another way to do it. Um, you know, increased capacity, more tickets sold, more merchandise on sale this year, all these ways. But, you know, having an owner that is able to sell a business, flip a business in a way, and generate a huge sum of money, it can only be a good thing. I mean, it can't be a bad thing. There's, there's clearly cash in reserve. And I think given our precarious ownership history, cash in reserve has, has not been something we've been able to say very often. It's a lovely luxury to have, isn't it? And just again, good times to be a Wrexham fan. We we met we we mentioned before we recorded it on the dock. I remember Sean Harvey saying to sort of Robin Ryan that every year we don't get promoted would effectively cost us at least sort of an extra million pounds because you wouldn't be getting the football league payments and right. you know you, you'd miss out on on that potential as well. So again, it's just nice to know that Robin Ryan aren't necessarily in the case that if Wrexham were to get promoted, which obviously would be disastrous. It's not as if they'd be then having to scrape the barrel or or look for money to carry on with uh, sort of running the club. I mean, we are very self-sufficient at the moment. The, the demand is so, so huge for, for Wrexham. And I guess even just in terms of, I guess, an ongoing issue, Nave, that we see every single week is ticketing. And very unfortunate, lots of fans have, have missed out on tickets for some of these huge games in, in the running now. I know particularly the Notts County one was was difficult for a lot of fans to have any chance of getting a ticket for it. I had a meltdown, didn't I, in the, in the old group WhatsApp. Oh, yeah, you, you uh, included, actually. <laughs> I forgot yeah, I I was... Uh, I felt bad because people in work were kind of coming over to me, asking me to do certain things, and they just looked at me, a uh, very sad face, as I was staring at a map of the stadium, uh, and it was all greyed out. So I think they all kind of left me in peace for a bit, and then in the end someone said, I'm just going to exit that tab for you and we can get back to normal. Um, but in the end, I, I fingers crossed, I think someone may have come to my rescue. Um, touch wood. Uh, but it, it, it's chaos, Rich. I mean, I don't know. And I'm interested for people's thoughts. I'm interested for people's thoughts on this. To email us if you want, robbrynerett.gmail.com or just DM us or tweet us. But this queuing system is peculiar to me because I, I don't think it is a queuing system whereby I get to the front and then I'm in... It seems like they'd let a lot of people in at the same time, and so therefore I was—I don't know—I was. Oh, that's a ticket master for... queuing. Yeah, queue, though, isn't it? right. Brexit. Yeah, right. Not, no, no. But like, not as if Brexit had gone online and said, "Right, oh. I want this queue to be this long or whatever." No, no. But I say I'm say I'm four hundredth in the queue, or my sister she didn't get a ticket and she was two hundredth in the queue, and and you get on and you know you. I don't know how many tickets were there, but you know, you get them in your basket, you go to pay, you put your payment details in, you click confirm and whatever, and then those seats are then gone. Um, so I, I don't know whether it's allowing, who knows, but obviously I am biased having been for many years that I would say I want a loyalty point system, but it's there's no way of pleasing everybody. And I was thinking that if you... Uh, what can you uh, do? Do you know what I mean? I don't really... And Rich, I was, say, I was saying, if, if you'd have just say that you put it just say the game was being played at Wembley and there was like no restrictions, just half and half. You give 40,000 to Rexman, 40,000 to Notts County. How many people would buy a ticket? Just say for a regular league game. Or don't even say it's Wembley. Just say sell as many tickets as you can. And I was thinking, could you get a 25,000 crowd for that? You know, probably. Yeah. You know, yeah. in terms of, could, could you get more than that? I don't want to get silly in terms of the, you know, there's going to be 80,000 that want to go to Wrexham, Notts County. But I think you could have easily doubled the attendance that's going to be there. And I think Notts County got, what, just over a 1,000 tickets? I'm almost certain that they could have sold that twice over, um, maybe three times you know, three times over. I don't know what their average 
traveling supporters, we definitely could have sold a lot more tickets than than having nine thousand there. Um, which is a good thing. It's a blessing and a curse. Price of success, people will say, but or as ever, when you don't get one, it's always it's always bitter, bitterly disappointed when you don't get one. Do you know what I mean? But there's no solution, is there, in, in, in the short term, and we have to just get through another season, and then hopefully the cop. What I would say, and I fingers crossed, I don't know this again. I would just hope that. I would hope with the cop that we don't sell any more season tickets, if you want my honest opinion. Um, and the reason I say that is, you know, we have, a, what is it, about 7,000 season tickets, Rich? Maybe just to tick over that, um, you know, of a of a 10,000 capacity ground. Um, that's three quarters of the ground boxed off. You're going to give, if you're in Notts County, you're going to give 1,000 to the away fans. And then it's a complete scramble that, you know, there's huge demand and, and not enough supply. So I would hope that, you know, another three or four thousand season tickets aren't sold in the cop, and then there's only another. Five, you know what I mean? I just, yeah, I, I like to see. Still, yeah, I would just like it, to see. Yeah. I, I, I'm not a big fan of three quarters. I can obviously it's understandable. Season tickets, you get the money up front, right? And you, you know, that's much more beneficial, I would imagine, to accounts and, and knowing how much revenue you're going to bring in. Is and, it because exactly you know, right, teams right, on the table or the season starts going off, you know, off, off the charts. Hundred percent. You don't have that guaranteed revenue stream, and we saw during the obviously the COVID affected seasons that match day revenue is the main source of income. Right, level. So there's a reason why they do chase season ticket money. But that, that's just my that's just my opinion. That's just I I'm not a huge and and you're talking to someone who you know regrets the fact that I dithered and didn't buy season ticket many years ago because obviously I'm based away from Wrexham, and so you know I undenied about it in the end. I I hardened didn't get one. Um, so. You know, people will say I've got you know whatever horse in the race, uh, given it's Cheltenham week. But I, I I just think if there's more tickets there, they will still get sold. You know, Wrexham are on a massive upward curve, upward trajectory, and you know I don't think there's any issue of selling the tickets. But the club will 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 know far better than me um, the right way to go. But yeah, it sounds like we're just gonna have to hang on, Rich, in terms of the tickets. Rich, hang on until until the cop is uh, built in 2024-25. Well, again, if you do want tickets to watch Wrexham's champions in action, uh, week on Sunday, Wrexham women are at the Kairas against Connor's Key Nomads. Uh, we'll put the link for that again in the uh, episode description. We gave it a plug on last week's podcast as well. So, yeah, a great chance for you to go in and cheer on the next generation and the Wrexham women's team who are champions, of course, of, of the Ardan North as well. So huge shout out to them. And as well, Naif, if you want to watch a Wrexham player in action next week, England C against Cymru C at Altrincham. Sam Dolby has made the final 16-man squad list, as has Macaulay Langstaff. Interesting there. Of course, a year ago, Wrexham had, was it three players called up for England C? I remember Hayden, Mullen, and was it Tozer? Yeah, I think it was. I think it was, and they, they've changed it this year where it's one player per team, which I quite like, actually. You know, it's, it's, it doesn't decimate one squad, and yeah, I, I just think it's a, a more interesting model. You get to see players from different teams yeah last year it was what Toza, Mullen and Hayden and I think Stockport had who was it off the top of my head I feel like Will Collar was one I can't remember the others but you know in the end both sets of them pulled out didn't they so um so it's interesting Palmer, yeah I think maybe as well Ash Palmer I'm, I'm chuffed for I'm chuffed for Dolby because like I say I'm he's been he gave me my best moment of the season in terms of the, the goal at Coventry that's still my individual best moment, um, that celebration, that goal, um, and that moment, you know, with you and friend of the pod, James Kelly and Andy and all the people that we had, Sam on the row. Um, yeah, it's easy, my, my moment of the season. And I'm just really chuffed for him. He's, he's really had to dig in. And and also, I, you know, I was thinking, oh, Langstaff will definitely pull out or maybe Dole will even pull out given the, the high stakes of the title race. But also, you know, if those players can be available for the weekend and, you know, it's in between, there's no midweek games for either. You know, for them, it's it's great to get the international recognition. You know, they're not going to get it in the senior setup, are they, with England? So, you know, who am I or who are you or or, or a manager to to take that away from them? Do you know what I mean? I think if they want to play, um, power to them. Exactly, it's down to the player's choice, really. And 
it's a once in a lifetime opportunity potentially for some so i think we've got to just let let them decide that if they want to and like you said it's it's good management from park as well that if dolby wants to be involved he's he's allowing him to to do so and considering now that we've not got that midweek game as well next week he's not missing a ricks of match for it so fingers crossed he can stay fit get a goal that game come back healthy and yeah continue to contribute to Wrexham's promotion bid as well and they've interesting one then as we're recording this um you're dming me as we're recording yeah i'm getting very junior, confused junior morice dagnum going to Notts county yeah he was at the game Trans- yeah he was at the game uh tuesday night yeah national league transfer window closes next thursday do you rec- reckon Wrexham need to make any business before deadline day or, or do you think we have got enough in the tank? I mean, whenever you see op- opponents and your main title rivals rivals making signings, there's always got to be a bit of an outcry of why aren't we doing business? And we've largely matched them signing for signing, haven't we, um, since they've been making them. Do you think Wrexham need anything else or is that just us being pessimistic and greedy for more? I, I would look at that not situation. I think they're losing Jody Jones for the Scunthorpe game. I know this sounds a bit silly, like clearly they rate Marias or whatever, but I think they're just trying to cover all bases and if you if you're gonna go for it, now's the time to go for it. If I'm Wrexham Rich, we're we're what scratching our heads on right, we're scratching our heads on we've got too many players for these positions now. If anything, our squad has got too too much quality, which can't be true. But we're talking about when you get Hayden back, when you get O'Connor back, you know, both of those are probably in our strongest lineup. That's what I was going to say. Well, you are going you know, getting back your best defender and best midfielder anyway. Right. If you go down the, it's like two new signings sort of, of route. Right. Davis is still there on the bench. He hasn't really yeah. had, a, had a run in the team. It, O'Connell is playing very well. We're keeping clean sheets. Is he going to come out for Hayden? You'd imagine that's the one that's most up for grabs, that right side. We're looking at the midfield. I still don't get... I, I pray and hope that we see Luke Young involved on Saturday because if not, I will continue to be absolutely baffled by, you know, leaving your... You know, I, I'm... Uh, yeah, well, the, the less we say on that, that that situation, the better. Um, For now, we'll just see how it plays out. And, you know, and you're going to get Tom O'Connor back, so would that be Young uh, young and Jones out the team then? Because there's only... Seems to be one midfielder on the bench, one fullback, one attacker, and one defender and a keeper. I, I don't think we need to go and sign anyone else, do you? No. I, the, again, as you all know, the pessimist to me will be saying, do we have enough goals in the side and do we have enough up front? Uh, Andy Dallas would have been nice, wouldn't he? He'd have been the one that I would have liked, I think, if we'd have gone for anyone. Yeah, I would have liked Andy Dallas just to sort of warm the bench. But, of course, you know, that is just being <laughs> beyond greedy there and <laughs> totally unnecessary. And what, would that, and what would that mean for Dolby then? He wouldn't make the bench. And we're saying how effective he's been, right? So, you know... Yeah. It's so tricky. I think we we look both teams are desperate and doing all they can to get over the line. Wrexham have more than enough quality. You know, we're, we're talking about. I was texting you the other day saying this squad could legitimately compete in in League Two, right? We all firmly believe that. So surely we don't need. We're not. We don't have any missing pieces. We we didn't have a, that kind of orthodox winger. We've gone and got Barnett. You know, we're lacking centre halves with those couple of injuries. Went and got O'Connell. Wanted a bit more in midfield, didn't we? We've gone and got Andy Cannon. Surely we don't need much else now. No, and that's sort of the whole sort of stem of this, isn't it? Let's just focus on ourselves. My phone was erupted on Tuesday night, and I said to Nath, as soon as Eastley scored, I don't even want to check the score, because I know that... I said to you, they're going to win. You predicted it. Yeah, you did. I, I didn't even predict it. Do not care. Just do not tell me <laughs> what's happening with them, because I, I, we've just got to win our games. If we win our games and take care of business... That's enough. So that's you watched look you, you watched Erling Haaland rather than the non-league Erling Haaland. Exactly, and my life was a it was a happier evening for me <laughs> because I just made my peace and said, "Well, they're gonna win. It doesn't matter. Let's just try and get on and, and just focus with oh. with what we've got in hand." And Nate, that brings us on nicely to the sort of final point of this week's podcast. Then Bromley away, nil nil last season. It's a tricky place to go. Everyone knows that. Interestingly now, though, before we go into the match, if you look at the updated National League table then, Wrexham, crucially, still top by a point and a game in hand over Notts County. So if we were to win that, we'd go back to the four-point cushion. Wrexham have 91 points. In the last 10 seasons, these are the points totals it's taken to win the league. Last season, Stockport won the league with 94 points, but played two games less. 
Season before that, Sutton won 84 points, playing four games less. Season before that is just not relevant because it was the COVID hit points per game season. So when you look back at the actual seasons played fully, Orient won it with 89 points. Macclesfield won it with 92 points. Lincoln, 99. Cheltenham, 101. Barnet, 92. Luton, 101. Mansfield, 95. Notts County and Wrexham both already at the 90 mark themselves. It is just hammering home how obscene a season this has been. This, this league is a joke though, isn't it? Like, just reading out those figures there, 101, 101, 92. This league is an absolute joke. I, I can't get my head around the fact that if you get out of it, you've got three automatic in League 2 plus the playoffs. I, I, I can't wrap my head around it. It, well, if it's, you look, it's obscene. Yeah, if you look at sort of historically, Wrexham fans will always point to the 98-point season, won't they? Because for any of you new in, in line with Wrexham, we finished second place in 98 points and we didn't go up because Fleetwood were just a bit better that season. And it could be very much like that this season. Hopefully that's, that's in our favour. It was very similar if you look back into the 14-15 season where Barnet won the league with 92 points and Bristol Rovers finished second with 91 points. They missed out on the title on the final day, but they did win the playoffs. And I know there's this pessimism that if Wrexham or not didn't win the league, then they would just be guaranteed to flop in the playoffs because that's just the nature of it. The mentality would be hard to get to get over the line. But, you know, there's got to be two shots at promotion still for both teams, no matter what happens. Wrexham obviously still in the driving seat. Bromley away though this weekend is this just a new rector now that doesn't lose this game do we actually go there and win what do you reckon it's not really about anything other than a win feels like a defeat though now it's a weird one you know it's particularly at Maidenhead that I get the manner of it stung you know myself and a lot of other people that were there Bromley's a really tricky place to go mate really really tough as, as Notts County found it recently um but they haven't got their keeper. Their keeper is a big part of what they do. Um, who is it? Charles Cook there. Very good keeper. Don't think he's the best in the division, but he's probably a top five goalkeeper at this level. And so him missing it is, is a, well, it's a another lonely keeper that will be there for them. And, we, and we've got to test him. You've got, to, you've got to make him work. But I just, you know what I want? All I want, I usually ask for clean sheets. I'm not even going to ask for one of them. All I want is a win. And Rob Lainton to come through unscathed because Bromley seems to have some sort of... Hayes Lane seems to have some sort of hoodoo on him. I still Brad remember... Lee- Mariah Carey's lyrics, because that's a bit, <laughs> a bit of a line, that, isn't it? No, no. All no, I want all is, I want is Rob Lainton not to get injured. Yes, yeah, so that would be a better Mariah Carey lyric if she'd have gone with that. Um, but I, I do remember that time. I think it must have been during the COVID season when we were watching on a stream. And it later emerged that... It, Sean Pearson, I think, um, it emerged from when he was telling the story was Rob Lainson left in an ambulance after, I think it was a, a really nasty collision with James Alabi. And he was offside, and he, wasn't he? He was offside, yeah. Stupid rule that uh, Lainson didn't right. flag up until the chances got. I, and it was nonsense. And, and, and you know, Lainson, again, like Tonicliffe, is an absolute warrior, flew out of his goal, collided with, I think, the knee of Alibi and his face. And uh, when he was in the ambulance after St. John's Ambulance, I'm pretty sure he got a video message or a video call from Ryan Reynolds. It might have been a video message that he watched later, but um, you know, I, I do remember that story when I think of Bromley. And I was at Bromley last season, where Lainton obviously picks up the the really nasty injury that that keeps him out for so long. So just hope he gets through all alright. Do you think risk him this weekend? Then? I mean, he's I gonna, know how mad he's, he's gonna he's gonna play. He's gonna play, isn't he? He's gonna play. But it, I just I don't know what it is. There's some sort of Bromley hoodoo and. If, if this we were is the new half time, I would generally be tempted to sub in. Just to what, but, but, what, but what, though? A 1 0? Or what does it need to be? Yeah, about 8, I'd say, yeah. 8, um, right. You look at Bromley, uh, Bromley's last five then, only won one. That was away at Torquay. Their last game out, they lost, as we said, against York City. They had 10 men. They lost 3 0. Uh, they also, as you said, drew Notts County 1 also. Inconsistent form. The fact that they are beatable, he said they've not got their goalkeeper. I, I am feeling oddly optimistic that Wrexham will win this weekend. And I know that's not the pessimistic way I should be on this podcast, but Bromley in terms of the form table this season, there's your bingo card. Tenth in the form table for home form. 
They've taken 30 points from 19 matches. They are slightly better away from home this season. So maybe not as much of a fortress as, as it used to be. But as we said, you know, a real, real tricky team. And they, Rich, they gave us a game at the race course. They gave us a real scare at the race course. You know, that was a, a really tough game. But you know what? To try and keep it optimistic, and I know how much these players are fighting, and I know how strong the competition for places is right now from people in and around the club. You know, everyone is chomping at the bit to play. I'm going to go Bromley nil, Wrexham 1. A little think, squeaky 1-0. I think similar. Wrexham will just have enough. Win by one goal and, yeah, we'll get over the line. And, you know, it's nine cup finals, the old cliche. It's still in our hands. Got this one-point one cushion at the moment, four points if we win the game in hand. So keep the faith. Don't get too distracted by what's going on, you know, elsewhere. Wrexham are doing their thing. If we keep winning games, we go up. We don't need to match them for signings. We just need to match them for results. And we'll be back here every week until the season's over to bring you up to date with what's happening and to bring you all the latest news as well. So, yeah, all it leaves me to say really is thank you once again, Nate, for, for joining me today. Thank you very much. Onwards, Rich. You know, it's in our hands. That's what I would say. In our hands and let's keep it going. This is a, a, a title race for the ages. And when it's all over, hopefully... Hopefully both of us can look back. We're both promoted and we can both enjoy it and Wrexham will have the I winners' medals know. around their neck. I do not I know you don't. Players. I know I know you don't. I know you don't. But I don't want any of these tweets saying class that from a Wrexham fan. That's it. We'll win I'm the league. On, if we if we win the league, I'm literally on holiday in May. So You are. You are. I so you can toast it. I will you can enjoy it. I will not be checking the playoffs. I do not care who goes up. Um thank you very much once again for today on Rob Ryan Red as always you can get us on the social medias uh, Rob Ryan Red and Rob Ryan Red as well at gmail.com massive shout out thank you to Red 10 People Development for making this podcast happen and a shout out to Rex and Bass Band Hypnotic for letting us use their music as well take care back the boys make some noise we'll see you again next time And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.